Proverbs chapter 6, verses 30 through 35. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. Yet if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept any compensation. He will refuse the bribe, however great it is. Thou shalt not commit adultery. What an important law. And I I really like what you wrote in the book here, Eric, when you said, how often do we hear the sad lament of the adulterer who, amidst the ruins of his life, claims that he did it all for love? (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, you're really talking about passion. Like, you know, love is, if he, if he did it all for love, he would have stuck with his original wife because love is a daily action. Love is a daily choice. Passion, on the other hand, lust, that's what led him outside of his marriage. You know, he didn't do it all for love. He did it all for passion. There's a huge difference there. I'm remembering years ago before I was married to Nancy, I saw my older siblings get married and my one sister, Kristen, who lives in Alaska, I admire her greatly. I asked her, you know, I was looking for wisdom and advice before I got married, you know, tell me what, what's the secret? Why do you have a happy and healthy marriage? And she said something that surprised me at the time. Now it makes sense. But she said, love is a daily choice. We have to each choose every day to love, commit to, listen to, um, be in conversation with and in proximity to the other. And she just said it very clearly. Love is a daily choice. And that always stuck with me. You know, now I've been married for 17 years and I totally get it. You know, my passions come and go, the romance comes and goes, but that daily commitment, that's love. That's love. And I think that that's what this proverb is talking about. The devastation that happens when we follow our passions instead of committing to the covenantal love. Uh, when when people come to you and, and they want to discuss marital issues, uh, is this more or less your message uh, that you share with them? Uh, I, I yeah, totally that's one agree of them. with it. Yeah, I do. I do lots of pre-marriage counseling, mm-hmm. uh, and I usually have them read the Tim Keller book called "The Meaning of Marriage," and I think it's the third chapter in there where it talks about the difference between a consumer relationship and a covenant relationship. The consumer relationship says, you know, I give you something, you give me something in in return. It's transactional. And if you stop satisfying me, then I'll take my business elsewhere. I'll go consume at another business, so to speak, another person. But a covenant relationship does not do that. Covenant says I choose you, I commit to you every single day, whether it's good for me or uncomfortable for me, whether it's sacrificial for me. That's the covenant of marriage. So I talk about that with my couples when I do pre-marriage counseling. I um, was thinking as you were speaking of George Gilder's book, Men in Marriage. Um, I don't want to say anything about either men or women in this, but I, I think that I was part of a generation that was pretty ignorant about women <laughs> and did not I, I went to all boys schools. That didn't help, but it, <laughs> it was actually better for me personally. Um, 
up until college, and then women were in the classes and everything. But I think there was a lot of mystery, and and the parents of uh, my parents really didn't talk about this stuff very much. And I think that when you turn 13 and 14, I think the better way is for the parent who has gone through what you and I and Scott have gone through uh, and everybody else is learning about the differences of your nature, not just the similarities, mm -hmm. the things that attract mm -hmm. you to one another, but actually the things that are that you can discern in the other person that are at the heart of their chief concerns that are not necessarily articulated and may be annoying, but they're theirs and you're married to them and you shouldn't <laughs> know about them because you'll become more sensitive in, in the best sense of that word about them and you won't say things that'll you know strike the wrong chord or so on and so forth. Uh, it takes a great deal of uh, for men a great deal of discipline to be a good husband, particularly when children come. Mm -hmm. The dynamics of the relationships really start to change almost radically. And uh, our, our role in that is support more than almost mm -hmm. anything else. I'm interested in checking out that book. I, I wrote it down, uh, you know, 17 years into my own marriage, Nancy is, um, a little bit less of a mystery to me, but still very much of a mystery to me. So anything I can read to help understand, you know, I just, I just, um, I want to love her and, uh, love her well and, and, um, understand her and women a little bit better. So I'll check out that book. I think strictly from a male point of view, um, you're in incredibly good company. I would say 150% of all males on this earth are in your position. They're not necessarily mm -hmm. in the 17th year. I'm in, you know, way beyond that. <laughs> uh, or even in your first year of marriage or your second. I mean, you're marrying in love, yes, but also mystery. Mm -hmm. And I think mystery needs to actually be kept intact during the marriage to, you know, to spout out all of the bad things you've done in your life to your mate is to be troubling. <laughs> it's troubling. <laughs> uh, so I'm not a big fan of that, but I, I do think that uh, to sustain mystery in the relationship, I think mm -hmm. is, it's not something you have to do. It's just, it actually is what you should, don't do that actually allows for the mystery. 